Welcome to Blatant Frankism, a podcast dedicated to adding to our community-created narrative with conversations that reveal the truth about those interviewed, the issues they care about, their views of the world, and their places in it. At the end, you'll get a dose of reality and a head start on a little luck. Glad you're here. Let's go. Jones Cook lives and works as a freelance writer and a case manager for homeless families in Washington, D.C. She holds an MFA in creative writing from Antioch University, Los Angeles, and a BA in English from Trinity Washington University in Washington, D.C. She is a licensed notary public in Virginia and Washington, D.C. She's a former elementary school teacher who writes fiction, poetry, short stories, and creative nonfiction. She's been published in The Record, Trinity Washington University, Trinity Magazine, and most recently, Antioch University's very own lunch ticket. She served as an assistant editor, interviewer, and guest interviewer of Lunch Ticket for issues 11, 12, and 13. She served as an assistant editor for the Women's National Book Association's annual writing contest. She is currently working on a collection of short stories. Shanika Jones-Cook has always been passionate about books and magazines, pouring through every page from cover to cover. So she decided to create Shanika Dante Enterprise, Black Cat Productions, and Literary Lenses, publishing film and magazine that will become a community venue for artistic expression, popular culture, cultural diversity, and a protected space regardless of your sexual orientation. But most importantly, she wanted to create a space filled with raw literary voices that will build connections through different genres of writing and diverse cultures that will shake up mainstream media. So welcome, Tanika Jones. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. All right. I'm excited too. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. so let's go ahead and dive right in. Is there anything you wanna you want us to know that's not in the bio? Anything extra? Anything extra special? Um, I secretly have a uh, I'm, I secretly have a obsession with sci-fi. Anything oh. sci-fi, in particularly vampires. I don't know. <laughs> I would <laughs> I would what? love love to write the next next best vampire um series. Why vampires? What is it about vampires? Um, I just because they can live forever, and then and then they have a lifetime to do to to do everything. Huh. Okay. You can start off poor, and by the end, by the time you're a hundred years old, you could be filthy rich. I feel you. I feel. You. I feel you. And then by the time you're two hundred, you filthy, filthy rich. I got you. I feel you. Okay. All right. So, why did you want to become a writer? Um. Why did I want to become a writer? Initially, I wanted to be a lawyer. But I'm like too emotional. I would be too emotional in the courtroom um, to be an attorney. So um, I had a favorite professor, Lori Spont, when I attended it, attended Trinity University. Um, and she had a movie critic class and a poetry class. And I took both and I was like, oh wow, I can I can do this. And then uh, when I would write, 
critique the, a movie or write a write poems, right. then um, like my classmate, they they you know they were like, oh wow, I, you really can write. I really like this. So then I was like, oh, this might be something that I really really can do. So I went from that, you know, writers, you got to eat. So I began <laughs> teaching. I became a teacher <laughs> to help pay my bills, you know, while I was writing. Yeah, that, that, the lifestyle of a writer. It's a bit yes. different in the beginning when you first try to, try to make it happen. But uh, we want five articles a week, $15 an article. I'm like, hold on, it's taking me all day to write this one. Come <laughs> <laughs> on now. I get it. All right. All right. So what was the inspiration behind the magazine in particular? Um, I don't really think it was an inspiration. Um, I knew that maybe about 12 years ago, I knew that I wanted to create a magazine, but I kind of like wasn't sure like which direction, what what type of magazine I wanted it to be. Um, and then I kind of like procrastinated and procrastinated. And then last year, I was like, you know what, just let me stop playing and just go ahead and um, do it. And then um, the university that I attended to receive my MFA, my master's in um, fine arts and creative writing, right. I noticed that they really didn't focus on a lot of black and brown writers. So I said, hey, I could take this and use this as a um, community platform to focus on black and brown writers, to bring more, more attention to them, to help them have a platform where they can use their voice and, um, you know, share their work. So I, I, I'm following you on social media. I know you spent a lot of, you spent a lot of time on the West coast. That's where Antioch is. I'm sorry. Can you? I'm I can't. Asking, following you on social media, like I see you spend a lot of time on the West Coast. I know you like doing like a, a lot of writing. I love LA. Love it. Okay. I, I, I see that. So, um, <clears throat> do you do you do you see yourself eventually, perhaps, being a West Coast creator, creative? Yes, I eventually want to relocate there. I want to relocate so bad. I wanted to to move this past September, but okay. things didn't go the way that I planned. And, um, but it's still in the works. I would, you know, if I don't move there, I would at least like to be by, co by coast to where I can come go back and forth. Okay. All right. All right. So what do you want to accomplish? I know you said like you wanted to be, you want to create a space filled with raw literary voices that will build connections. What does that look like for you? What does that mean for you? Like, like how, how do you hope to accomplish that? Um, just to build a community for black and brown writers, um, you know, just to give them a, a, a platform where they can um, build together, grow together, share their work, um, promote, um, just just to shine light on us. Because in the literary world, yeah, it's really, and I just wanted to um, bring that presence. Hey, we're out here. You know, black writers matter. Indeed. How do you find how do you find contributors? Um, I have a lot of friends that are writers that are out um LA, some in North Carolina that just throughout and they may send someone my way, or there may be an an author that I'm interested in, and then I'll um, reach out to them and say, "Hey, you know, I'm interested in you. I would love to do an interview. Can we talk?" 
you know, um, if they don't have time to do it, you know, um, over Zoom, I may email them the questions and the interview is done like that. Um, since I've had my magazine launched and promoting it, I've had I've had a lot of people reach out to me through the magazine, asking me to could they contribute, asking me could I review their books that they've written. So it's growing. I'm I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, okay, who so far? Who has been? I'm not saying maybe not your favorite. Um, what has been your most impactful interview so far? My most impactful so far. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say Tony Lewis Jr. Okay. Yeah, I interviewed him. He was very real, very passionate, mm -hmm. um, very open and honest. He's you know talked about everything from um having a, a parent that's incarcerated, you know, to having a, a, a his mom dealing with mental health issues after his dad went away and became incarcerated. He was the the most realist. He was like on it. Whatever I wanted to ask him, he was didn't have a problem. Yeah, met him a couple of times. I can I can I can see that. I can see that. All right, all right. So, how has I know it's been brief since its inception, but how has the magazine changed or grown just in this brief period? Um, since the it's changed, I I've like want to take it in so many um di different directions. Right now, I think it's just like at the beginning. I would like to um, have staff because because really right now I'm just doing it on my own and I would like to bring in more writers, um, go in like a different direction. I want to have a, a section that focuses on like TV and film. And um, I want to also have a section where to bring in workshops, writer workshops. I want to do publishing, publish other people, start a publishing company. It's just so much that I, I want to do with this. I, it's just so much that I want to do with it. Well, media empires. I dig it. I dig it. I understand that. Right. How have you changed or grown? I've stopped procrastinating. <laughs> and my confidence level has gone up. Okay. And it's really real. Like you have to be dedicated. You have to be very, very focused on it. Everything from the beginning, the middle, the end, the 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 start, and um, just it. Because I was a real big procrastinator, and now that I'm in it, and I've seen that I love it. It's just so much that I can do. I still have a ways to go. You know, I'm still growing. I'm still learning. What do you think has contributed? You said your confidence has grown. What has contributed most to that? Say that again. You said you, your confidence has grown. What has mm -hmm. contributed most to that? Just saying that I could do it. At first, I was doubting myself. First, I was like, no, nobody wants to hear this. Nobody wants to. And then I just was like, um, I have a friend. And um, and I used to talk to him about it. And he, you know, he would say, it's, it's sad that 
I see your potential more than you. I believe in you more than you do. You have a talent that you're wasting. You're just going to waste it. So I was like, wow. If he see it, why can't I see it? If he believe it, why can't I believe it? So after that, I was like, built myself up. And I was like, I could do this. And now that I've done it, it's like, it's no turning back. Good, good. What is... the most fulfilling about what you're doing? Meeting new people and um, giving them a platform to um, use their voice and to show off their work. Okay. Knowing that I'm, knowing that I'm a part of it. Meeting new people. If you could, one person that you would want to work with, like, in whatever industry, one person you would want to contribute to the magazine. Can you think of somebody? Who would that be? Um, Terry McMillan. I wow. absolutely love her. I've loved her for years. I absolutely love her. My favorite book of hers is um, Disappearing Acts. I think mm-hmm. I've read that a million times. I've mm-hmm. seen the movie, the adaption of the movie a million times. I would love to just sit down with her and just and just pick pick her brain. I remember um, doing, and when I was in college, you know, my un- undergrad and I was working on a newspaper and, and I would like study her and read her. And, and I remember um, she was saying how in the interview, she was, she was saying how she started out doing interviews and you were like your school paper would send you out and, um, and you would have to interview people. And you might get somebody to do a comment and she would say, well, I really didn't have anyone to do to do a comment. So she created a person that and I was like, OK, yeah, I can I can. I just love loved her honesty. OK, All right. I like that. Very... Disappearing acts. Huh. It's. I don't know if it's among my favorites. It's good. I don't know if it's among my favorites. Why why is that? Because I'm a sucker for love. (laughs) I believe in the power of love. I believe, I believe in it. It is just a love story. I just believe in it. I I believe in love too. Sucker too. Sucker too. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Okay. So what's next for you? What's next for me? Yeah. In March, I'm going out to um, Seattle um, to be a part of the AWP um, Writers um, com- book, book Conference. And it's like the biggest network of anybody in the industry. And I'm going to have a table. Okay. And I'm going to be in the middle of it. And it's a great connection. Um, just a great way to meet people. And I'm very excited. Very, very excited. You okay. So that's where I'm headed to next. So what 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 happened? Is it is it is it like just networking? What 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 are you expecting to get out of it? What? Meeting new people, new writers, other magazines, publishing companies. It's mm-hmm. just everybody who's who's in the industry. Other other literary magazines. Um, sometimes they might have like um, universities that offer writing programs. It's just Who's who's? All right, and it's in Seattle. Ooh, okay. 
Well, congratulations on that. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. So coming down to the end of the formal, just a couple more. What do you want your legacy to be? Okay. I had to think about that. I wanted to, you know, I want to leave something meaningful to my children and to one day, hopefully, if I have grandchildren, but just something for, you know, to my children. And, you know, I want to be remembered as hardworking, dedicated to my craft, um, be re well respected in my craft. I want to be a, a household name. I want LLM. Literary Lenses Magazine to be remembered for transcending cultural boundaries and by uh, attending to the needs and aspirations of the communities where Black and Brown writers are. We're going to make it happen. We're going to make it happen. Yes, we will make it happen. Okay. All right. One last uh, formal question. One last formal question. Um, oh, side note. I love like the relationship you have with your kids, yeah. Thank Just, you. Like, like, Y'all be cracking up sometimes. Like, oh, they keep me on my toes, especially my um, my youngest one. He's 13. He keeps me on my toes. Yo, yeah. Them just <laughs> I crack it up like, yo, they are funny. They are funny. All right. So is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Just um, Literary Lances, we're looking for an intern and a graphic designer. Okay. Right. Yes. Where can they uh, get in contact with you? Um, Shanika Dante Enterprises at gmail.com. S-H-A-N-E-K-A Dante, D-O-N-T-E Enterprise. E-N-T-E-R-P-R-I-S-E S at gmail.com. All right. All right. So that has concluded the uh, formal questions. Thank you again for that. I, I really, really appreciate it. Um, and uh, hope to, you know, be a part of it somehow outside of this. Thank you. We'll talk. Thank you. I'm, now, I'm, I'm, I'm look at from one teacher to another. I'm sitting up here. I, I hate when, when you know, when you're talking and you asking some, you know, when I talk to my children and how I used to talk to my students, and they say, um, oh no, I didn't, I don't like that. And then <laughs> uh, in my mind, I'm sitting up here. How many times did you say um in this interview? <laughs> Okay. That's like a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> All right. This is what I need from you. I need to know if you want to answer about me questions or would you rather questions? About me questions or would I'm right? Oh, they both mm. sound they both sound dangerous. Hmm. Can we do a little bit of both? No, just mm -hmm. only one. Would I rather or? So you 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 can get you can get questions from both, but it's like the first set is either from one and then the one you got one question from the other set. So, would you rather or about me for the main questions? I'm gonna go with I would rather. All right, give me five numbers, one through sixty nine. Twelve. Twelve. Four, mm -hmm. eight, mm -hmm. five, mm -hmm. 27. 27. All right, give me one number, another number between one and 69. No, between one and 25, sorry. 
Seven. Seven. All right. So would you rather? Question number four. Would you rather be forced to sing along or dance to every single song you hear? No, I have to sing along because I, I I I don't have any rhythm. I missed that line. No rhythm. <laughs> I missed it. Okay. All right. Question number eight. <laughs> what? Would you rather be chronically underdressed or overdressed? Under. Under. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Even in the winter, <laughs> I, even in the winter time, I I go outside like this sometimes and put a scarf on with I my school jacket. Okay, okay. Let's see. Question number oh five. Oh, would you would you rather find true love today or win the lottery next year? I would rather win the lottery next year. <laughs> I am burnt out from love. I am burnt out. <laughs> I'm just so searching and, and growing, and hopefully love will come along. Hey, hey, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. All right. Number 12. <laughs> would you rather... Give up air conditioning and heating for the rest of your life or give up the internet for the rest of your life? Oh, I'm giving up the internet. Yeah, internet, I, has, it has to go. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm, I'm going to need to be regulated. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be regulated. All right, number 27. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you can figure out a creative way to answer this. Would you rather work an overtime shift with your annoying boss or spend a full day with your mother-in-law? I don't know. Do you have an ex-mother-in-law? I don't know. I have two. I, 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 no, I, I, have I have see two the relationships are very good. So if you don't want to. <laughs> no, I have two. I have two ex-mother-in-laws. And would I rather be? No, I would rather spend the day with them. I, I'll do it. Spend the day with them. With the boss. All right. Okay. All right. And question number seven from about me. What's the craziest fashion trend you ever rock? The craziest. Oh my goodness. I don't know if you will remember this, but oh, this was years ago. I only had my daughter. She's 28 now. And there was, um, I don't know who started this trend where you would wear the boxers, men boxer out of shorts. You remember that? Yeah. Why did I do that? <laughs> I, why did I do that? I did that for the 4th of July. Oh, I did I that. <laughs> <laughs> I bought some. Yo, no, I was there of um. <laughs> that was the crazy thing. I want to pair Halloween boxes to a a party at the garage. I remember. <laughs> I don't know who thought who 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 created that fashion, but I did it. <laughs> um, I did. I participated in that. That's okay. Okay. All right. You know, we all we all got caught up in some stuff. 
All right. Well, Shanika, thank you again very much for this. I really, really appreciate it. I wish you, you all, all the best. All right, now, this next segment is something I want to call an ounce of reality. If you know me, you know I love reality shows. And if you listen to the last few podcasts, you know that that's what I tend to talk about towards the end. So I'm just going to make this an actual part of the podcast. So I'm going to make my reality show segment an ounce of reality, a reality for blatant Frankism. So each week, I'm going to just talk about three shows on a particular theme or genre that uh, interests me. They won't be mainstream, or at least I don't think they're mainstream. Um, but they are ones I find interesting, and I hope you will too. So I'm going to tell you the show, the network, the premise, and something I find interesting about it. It won't take too long, but it's what I'm going to do. So here we go. The first theme for an ounce of reality is cooking shows. So, again, knowing me, you know, I love cooking shows. Those are my favorite types of reality shows. Well, my favorite type of competition reality, because competition reality is my favorite. So, this first show is called The Tiny Kitchen Cook-Off. You can find it on Freebie. And basically, each week, two celebrity guests get interviewed while they try to recreate tiny meals <laughs> using uh, real ingredients on a real tiny cookware set. I guess I think it's the Taste Made Tiny Kitchen is what it's called. And so they have to recreate these tiny meals. They're really real meals and this cookware really cooks. And then as they're doing this, again, they're getting interviewed. And so, you know, you have comedians, you have actors, actresses, you have musicians, you have different folks. And so it's it's really it's really interesting premise, um, you know. And basically, the prize at the end is a very tiny prize. <laughs> but it's a good show. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Lots of tiny, tiny stuff. I love tiny things, y'all. I do. I actually have a tiny Dutch oven. I've never tried to use it. Maybe I will. We'll see. This next show. Is uh, it's a recreation, not a recreation. It's the American version of a British show. I actually found it on Hulu, but it's it was actually on ABC, and I didn't even know it years ago. It's the Great American Baking Show, and actually, I'm talking about the holiday edition, and in particular, seasons four and five. Again, you can find them on Hulu. Hosted by no, first. You have American bakers, but they're in the UK participating as if it was the great British baking show. I'm not really sure why they didn't do it in America, but hey, I came to the party late, so I'm just going to enjoy the festivities. Now, each week, a chef is knocked off. They, you know, they go through a week of baking competitions and the chef, chef is knocked off according to the judging you know the special item to be baked at the end 
the cool thing about these two seasons is that they were hosted by Baby Spice. That's right. The Spice Girl. And former NFL player Spice Adams. Not really sure why they chose to go the Spice route, but perhaps because it's baking. <laughs> no, uh, it was really interesting. Really interesting. And one of the cool things about uh, the season five, which was about mm, maybe six years ago, I would say, um, is that there was a monk that participated. I thought that was pretty cool. So check it out if you want to. It's on Hulu because, again, it was an ABC show and, you know, Hulu, ABC, Disney. Yeah. And our final show is called Pressure Cooker. It's on Netflix. In this one, you have 11 chefs. They start off in a kitchen. Of course, they're chefs. Ha ha. But introducing themselves in the kitchen. And they each have to make a signature dish. And then they have their first meal together. And they judge each other. And the competition starts right there. They all start judging each other from the beginning. And each week, somebody is voted off. Or maybe multiple people are voted off. But it's all according to... Different types of competition. Sometimes nobody cooks and the person who doesn't cook will judge. Sometimes everybody cooks. Sometimes they're team cooks. And it, it it's it's just really interesting. All of their directions are given to them on a ticket machine because there's no host. They are guided by the ticket machine in their own morals. <laughs> uh this joint, though, is like the Hunger Games of cooking shows. Their resources are replenished in wooden crates that they just find when they're walking through the kitchen one in the morning. <laughs> and they really got to trust each other, yo. They form alliances and everything. Yo, yo, one chick, one episode, I'm going to say you did. One chick, one episode, it was only like four people to vote. She literally told this one chick, we're going to vote for you. And then told the other three, I'm not like knowing it. Yo, never mind. Cutthroat, cutthroat. Like I said, the Hunger Games of the culinary world. Check out Pressure Cooker on Netflix. You know, it is February. It is Black History Month. There's Valentine's Day. And there's also President's Day. Why am I mentioning that? And what does that have to do with those reality shows? Well, the month is about history and love, right? Black folks' love of their history and expressing that love, not just during this month, but having it recognized during this month. And then you have Valentine's Day. You know, you're supposed to love on other folks and yourself. But it's commercialism aside. 
Um, oh no, <laughs> the commercialism pushes the love to an extent. We have President's Day, a day celebrating men who, for all intents and purposes, outside of a, a few of the last ones, <laughs> uh, spent their time upholding policies and laws that were not about love. They were about hate. Flat out. Full stop. This all is on my mind um, because of the Tyree Nichols situation. My uncle asked if I was going to talk about it on my podcast, which kind of caught me off guard because I didn't think he, I don't know, just caught me off guard. Um, but, you know, I thought, what really can I say that hasn't been said? You know, what, you know, this, is anybody really interested in what I have to say? And, you know, it was just like, well, just say what you got to say. And it's just making me think, you know, outside of the, <laughs> the lack of humanity, the violence. The monstrousness, is that a word? Uh, um, think about what Jason Whitlock said, you know, you know, placing the blame on the shoulders of black women. He said, uh, this is what you ha get when you have a system run by a black woman. Interesting. I tell you what you get or what you got in this situation with a system run by a black woman. You got some shit done quick, fast, and in a motherfucking hurry. <sighs> Maybe that's that mother's love. You know? Maybe it's that mother's love. I don't know. And I know that folks are frustrated and upset and pissed off that the white dudes weren't named, and so am I. Eventually, they, well, one has been, and he's been fired and all that stuff, and we're still waiting to hear about other people. But I'm stuck at the blame part. You know, you can keep reiterating what folks are saying about the cops. It's all going to be true, every version of what people say. Jason Whitlock, what's his deal, yo? What's his deal? I don't know much about the guy, just that every time I... Hear him is some bad shit. He don't, he don't, he don't dig us, his folks. But that's on him. That's his cross the bear. I'm just not here for the blaming black women for it. Whenever shit gets tough, as black women folks turn to right elections, child care. <laughs> And now we are to blame, <clears throat> according to Mr. Whitlock. 
for police violence. I don't, you know, I, I'm I'm not sure what he exactly was blaming. Like I, this particular situation, all the situations, every situation that just weird the head. I'm I don't know. We we're just at fault, which is usually the case with him. And um, he you know he wanted to deal with that. He wanted to deal with that. But as far as this police chief goes, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tend to say I'm a tend to um, fall in the camp of love is what she was she was focused on, and not the lack of love that they displayed, but maybe putting some love out there um, as best she could. You don't have to agree with it. At all. You don't have to agree with the way it was done, how it was introduced or announced, you know, any, any of that. But the fact that she did something where others have done nothing and have watched and witnessed and, and, and said nothing. We thought things were changing after, you know, George Floyd and, and, and all the protests. And for a minute, they were, but That water blue. They went full force, bend that break, and they are coming all the way back. So we gotta <clears throat> do the best we can to make sure things are right. I'm not sure what the answers are, but you know, that's what I that's what I was just feeling about that. And if you know me. Again, you know that I believe that music, food, and sports are universal uniters. And so, as the Super Bowl is coming up, I hope you all have some plans to get with some folks and eat some good food, watch that good game, you know, get some music going in the background. All the commercials, commercial jingles going to be jingling, you know. You might as well, they paying enough. You're jingling, baby. So... <laughs> You got Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. First time two black quarterbacks are facing each other in the Super Bowl. Then you have Nicole Lynn, Jalen Hurts' agent. First black woman to be an agent to a quarterback to play in the Super Bowl. That's black history. I love that for them. I truly, truly love that for them. And us. Should be a good game. All right. I'll be back and we're going to end this thing out. Once again, I want to thank Shanika Jones-Cook, one of DC and Paul Lawrence Dunbar's best, brightest, and finest, for joining us on Blatant Frankism. Please, please, please check out her online magazine, Literary Lenses. And if you want to get in touch with her, reach out to her at ShanikaDanteEnterprise at gmail.com. That's S-H-A-N-E-K-A-D-O-N-T-E-E-N-T-E-R-P-R-I-S-E at gmail.com. The Powerball number she gave us are 4, 5, 8, 12, 27, and the Powerball is 7. If you hit, pay it forward. All right, I'll see y'all.